Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Oxford Assembly of God podcast. If you have any questions, be sure to visit our website at oxfordag.org. And now, let's get into the message. I know that Brother Lee already commented on it. Uh, he mentioned that a year ago t- today was his first Sunday leading worship, but you weren't here. He led worship to empty church, except for very few. There were a few people watching the presentation, but it's been a year. A year ago, this Sunday is when we ceased having services up until Mother's Day. But I'm so glad to be able to meet back today. At least uh, many have come. We've had a couple of families come back today for the very first time in a year. But we're welcome them and so good to see them. There's still others that uh, are not able to be with us. And we totally understand that. But we're glad that you're here and appreciate your coming to be with us. And we uh, praise the Lord for his goodness. And thank you, Lee, for a a year of service. Uh, We never thought... Whenever you started a year ago that we still be uh, limited, I thought we would be ready to say, everybody come to church next Sunday. So I'll say that anyway. Everybody come to church next Sunday. But if you do not feel comfortable, we totally understand you not doing it. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But it's a joy to be able to share the blessings in the Word of God. I want to mention, uh, we've already mentioned it in the announcements that we will be doing the cantata. We will not have all as much uh, singers as we normally have, but we will be uh, presenting a cantata next Sunday. So be here uh, on time, and if you're going to be here, because it lasts about an hour, and so we're going to be getting right into the uh, cantata, and we are so appreciative of all of the, those of you that will be ministering uh, through that cantata, and we're believing God to touch people's lives. Then the following Sunday, I will be doing a narrative of, uh, that Peter tells his story. Uh, I love doing my narratives, and I'm going to be tackling it from Peter's perspective. So I trust you'll join. That's on Easter Sunday, two weeks from today. And thank you for joining us, whether you're here or uh, online. Thank you so much. There are many statements in the Scripture that state, I am. We've been talking about the characteristics and the names of God and his uh, uh, characteristics and his uh, who he is. And we covered right very early on in this series that he says, I am. I'm glad that he did not say, I was. He did not say, I will be. He said, I am. I am. Always has been, always will be, and always is. How awesome that is. But today, I want us to look at another I am study. I want us to look at one more I am statement. Just in the book alone, a book of John alone, there are at least 12 I am's. It says, I am the bread of life. I am from him. I am the light of the world. I'm the one who testifies of himself. Before Abraham was born, I am. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am God's son. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I am he. All of them are great statements and so significant. But the one I want to look at this morning answers a question that is almost as old as man. Almost as old as man. We have to ask in the book of Job. Job chapter 14, begin reading in verse 7. 
Job chapter 14, verse 7. For there is hope for a tree. If you cut it down, that it will sprout again. Have any ever cut, ever cut down a tree and find out it just sprouts back? It keeps growing. Growing up here in Florida, we used to uh, cut down cypress trees. And I know they're protected now, but back then there was plenty of cypress trees around. And we'd go down to the swamp and cut cypress trees and use them as fence posts. And many times during wet weather, guess what would happen? You'd put that fence post in and they would start sprouting. <laughs> they would. Now, once it got dry, they would die. But they'd start sprouting. They would come back to life, you would think. And that's what Job was saying. He says, there's hope for a tree. If it cut down, that will sprout again and its shoots will not cease. Though its roots grow old in the earth and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. But a man dies and is laid low. Man breathes last and where is he? As waters fail from a lake and a river wastes away and dries up, so a man lies down and rises not again. Till the heavens are no more, will he not awake or be roused out of his sleep? Oh, that you would hide me in Sheol, that you would conceal me and your wrath be past, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. And here's a question. Here's a question. If a man dies, shall he live again? If a man dies, shall he live again? That's a question for all ages. That's a question for every walk of life. You know, there's some questions that don't apply to you. But that's a question that applies to every one of us. And when it says man, it was not talking about gender. It's talking about mankind. If a man dies, is that where it ends? Or will he live again? Doesn't matter what race you are, what class of person you think you may be. It's a valid question. For every one of us. You say, why would you say that? Because we know it to be true. The scriptures tell us it is appointed for man once to die. You're not going to get out of this life alive. So, well, why don't we go up in the, at rapture? You're going to die on the way up. Because you're not leaving this earth alive. See, we have eternal souls, but these bodies are not eternal. And some of you that are hurting this morning, would you say, praise God? I mean, oh man, we ache and hurt because our bodies are deteriorating. The Bible compares it to an old tent. And some of us feel like, man, this tent's ready to be folded. Dust it off. Why? Because these bodies wear out. See, there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're just going to read one verse right now. One verse where it just says, The last enemy to be destroyed is death. What's it saying? What's that mean? That means if you can whip that sucker, you got it made. But guess what? You're not going to whip it. 
Now, Gators died a couple of times. I know somebody said, so that's what's wrong with him. <laughs> but the reality is, one of these days, he's going to die. And that physical body is not going to come back to life. And he says, praise God. But the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So we ask the question, will a man live again once he dies? If a man dies, would he live again? Well, John chapter 11 tells a great story. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that story. But let's just give a, a little glimpse into it. It tells a great story about a family. A man and his two sisters, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Lazarus dies when he became ill. And when he got sick, what did they do? They sent for Jesus. Let's read it, 11, chapter 3. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now, this family was very close to Jesus. When he would come to Bethany, he would stay at their home. Mary was the one that anointed his uh, feet with her uh, perfume, and it filled the room. So he was close to that. But he says, the man whom you love is ill. Now, let me just ask you a question. Do you think the world is sick today? I think the world is sick. But guess what? It's not the only time it's been sick since creation. Oh, it has its ups and downs, but the reality, we live in a sick world. And the reality is that God loves this world just as much as he loved Lazarus. You heard me right. He loves the world even in its hatred, in its anger, in its lack of faith, he loves it just as much as he loved Lazarus. So they sent word to Jesus, said, the one whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he says, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So those people that heard it said, oh, good. He's not going to die. He's going to get better, better. But the reality was what happened? He died. So what did he mean this sickness does not lead to death? He wasn't talking about a physical death. He's talking about a spiritual death. Now what Illness leads to death. We could say, well, COVID does. Pneumonia does. Diabetes does. So many things lead to death, but that leads to a physical death, not a spiritual death. So he said, he's not going to die. So wait a minute, he did die. He did not die spiritually. He died physically. So what illness leads to death? The rejection of Jesus Christ. 
is what leads to our spiritual death. The rejection of Jesus Christ. As I've already mentioned, we live in a sin-sick world. But Jesus loves us regardless of how sinful we are. Just as much as he did Lazarus. Now let me leave this passage just long enough to show you a couple of other scriptures. Two brief passages that occurred according to the Chronicle Bible after the story of Lazarus and before the crucifixion. See, Lazarus was resurrected about two to three months prior to the crucifixion. Just a short period of time. And sandwiched into that time are two statements that Jesus made. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I think we understand what a ransom is. A ransom is something you buy back a person. If somebody kidnaps someone, they give a ransom so that they, and they said, if you'll give me X amount of dollars, I will give you that person back. So Jesus came to this earth to ransom all of the people that he loved. The lost, the sick, the disturbed. I'm working on a message about chaos because I want to tell you, anytime you find chaos, God's there. You say, wait, I don't know about that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was in chaos, and God was there. In our lostness, God is there. He came to this earth not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's go over to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 19, just one verse. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Both of these scriptures occurred during this short time frame of when our story that we read this morning and the story we're going to be worshiping about next week, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to this earth to seek and to save that which was lost and to pay the ransom price so that all of us could have eternal life. Not a physical life, but eternal life. How awesome is that? God loves you. The world was sick before Jesus came and it's still sick today. And it's still in the need of a Savior He's still in the need of a physician. The world is still in the need of a redeemer. He's still in the need of the one that paid a ransom for our sins. There's so much that we could share from the story of Lazarus. But let's get a, a, just a, the statement they made to Martha. Let's go down to uh, John chapter 11, verse 17, where it says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Can you say Lazarus was dead? Lazarus was dead. 
He'd been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. Now we don't know exactly where he, she met him. It appears to be that she met him outside of town. It appears that she went somewhere to meet him. Why? Well, a lot of speculation. Because she said, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my mother would, my brother would not have died. She might have just wanted to go see him in person so she could vent. If you'd have been here, you say, well, why'd you say that? Because I've, I've heard a lot of people say that to God. God, if you would have answered that prayer, if you would have done this, if you'd have done that. So maybe she was just angry. She might have just wanted to spend some Special time with Jesus by herself. I mean, thinks that's a good thing. Someone even said that there's a good possibility that they're in the household with some of those people that were wanting to kill Jesus. And she didn't want Jesus to get there. Just a thought. But regardless of the thought, she went to see Jesus and said, Lord, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. But you're going to read. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said, here's the answer to that question. If a man dies, will he rise again? Here's the answer. I am the resurrection, and the life. He or whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. Even though we're going to die a physical death, that's a transition. Remember that scripture says, I am the good shepherd. And what does a good shepherd do? He leads us through the valley. Of the shadow of death. It's just a shadow. Because we're going to get on the other side. And on the other side, it's a beautiful place, a wonderful place. And it's paid for already because Jesus paid the ransom. He came that paid the ransom for you. For a sick world. You say, boy, it couldn't be as sick as it is now. It was even sicker. You know, you know, a lot of times we don't think about it. But when Jesus was here, it was a sick world. His people didn't even believe him. His people didn't even receive him. He came into his own and his own received him not. His own people. The religious leaders is the one that initiated his death. It's a sick world. But Jesus said, that sickness doesn't lead unto death. That sickness doesn't lead unto death because there is a resurrection and there is a life. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, 
Though he die, yet he shall live. Now let's journey over to the book that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. See, there are some people saying the resurrection had already happened. Some people say the resurrection had never happened. There's no such thing as resurrection. Even the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. You say, how can I remember that? They were sad, you see. Because they did not believe in the resurrection. If you do not believe in the resurrection, you don't have a hope. I said, without the resurrection, you don't have a hope. Now, if we're just gathering together over the next few weeks to celebrate Easter eggs, and we're just celebrating, getting together, and wearing our good clothes, then, folks, we're missing something. We're coming together to celebrate Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life. He came to this earth, this sin-sick earth, so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection for the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching's in vain and your faith is in vain. What's he saying? Let me put that in Oxford English. We're wasting our time if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Amen. We're totally wasting our time. We can be just as good going to any social organization. You name it, we can be just as good because our religion would be wasted because our religion is based on the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He is our life. He died for a sin-sick world, and he said, I've died so that you wouldn't have to. I've paid your ransom. We're even found to be mis misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also, also have fallen asleep from Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we're of all people most to be pitied. Now, I don't know. Some of you are old enough to get what I'm about to say. If the only thing you got to look forward to is your body wearing out on this life, you got a lot to worry about. If, it, if it's just, because I want to tell you, for most of us, it's going to go downhill from here. That's just truth. That's life. That leads to what? physical death but it doesn't lead to a spiritual death because Jesus Christ says I am the resurrection and the life the last enemy to be defeated is death the last enemy let's drop down a little bit further to verse 50 I'm leaving out a little bit because I'm running out of time I tell you this brothers flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God that's what I said a while ago. If the rapture takes place, these bodies got to die. Because this body is not going to get into heaven. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now let me just pause here. I realize that in this congregation, there's a lot of different theologies and different thoughts on what's going to happen as far as a rapture, when it's going to take place, and, and which theory we believe, if it's pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. Let me just tell you, I believe in the pre-trib rapture, but even if it's not, it's all going to pan out. We're going to be taken out of this world. We're going to be taken out. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 
at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall all be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on this imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? Have you ever thought about what was going on around the uh, tomb there that, uh, not with Jesus, but when Lazarus came out of that tomb? I bet you there was some celebrating. Now, I know if I'd have been there, I'd have probably celebrated on my way out. You say, why is that? Because I'm a born chicken. I'd rather hear him say, there he goes, than don't he look natural. But the reality is, Gator, I bet there were some surprised people. There he is. Loose him and let him go. I don't know if you realize that. Jesus just resurrected from the dead, but he was still wrapped up in his grave clothes. He was still wrapped up. Somebody had to be brave enough to go over here and pull the string. And I bet you there were some shouting people going on. And I can almost guarantee you that as soon as it left uh, Lazarus' lips, he began to praise God. I can guarantee you that Mary and Martha were probably cutting a Pentecostal rag. I mean, they, they were cutting up because why? Their brother that had died had risen. That's where he says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? If that's what's going to happen, can I tell you something spiritually speaking? When we lay someone in the grave, the next step for them is to wake up in glory. To wake up in glory. And that's something great. Why? Because I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, man, I could share this a while. But it says the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I get so disturbed when I hear people say, well, they lost the battle. Christian, don't lose the battle. What cancer defeated them? No, cancer just carried them on into glory. COVID killed them. No, COVID didn't kill them. They just carried them on into glory. Because they didn't lose. Why? Because they've been redeemed. They've been ransomed. The loss has been paid for. That gives us a victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What kind of labor was he talking about? Was he talking about your 9 to 5 job or 8 to 5 job or, or 12 to 6 job, whatever hours you have? No. That wasn't the labor. What labor was he talking about? Well, let's go back to John and read something that happened just a few weeks later. Just a few weeks later in John chapter 12, verse 9. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only of account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. I mean, he probably knows that Lazarus wasn't sweating it. He'd already died one time. <laughs> because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing on Jesus. Why were they believing? Because everywhere he went, that's the man that rose from the dead. That's the man that was buried for four days. And they believed because of his testimony. Because he was there. 
And his labor was telling them, listen, Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. And if we believe in him, go over to verse 16, same chapter. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, that means after he had resurrected, after he'd gone to be with Jesus, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been him with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him up from the dead continued to bear witness. Every time they'd see Lazarus, there he is. I guarantee you, every time Mary and Martha went somewhere, hey, my brother was dead. But he rose from the dead. He'd been dead four days. Somebody asked this morning after 8 o'clock service, he said, I wonder what he smelled like. I said, I, I can tell you what he smelled like. It's my opinion. Not the authority. I said, if you can be thrown into a, lake of, uh, into a burning fire, fiery furnace, and not even smell like smoke, you can be in the grave for four days and come out smelling like roses. Amen? He was resurrected from the dead. The crowd that had been him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard that he had done this sign. They didn't come to see Jesus. They come to see Lazarus. This was the man that was dead. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you're gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Let me close with this thought. That scripture in Corinthians. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the, yet your labor is not in vain. Wouldn't it be great if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ got so excited about the resurrection that they would tell the world what God has done and that the world would go after him. Did you catch that? They went to follow after him. Why? Because they believed in the resurrection. I get so tired of church people, Christians, sweating death. Worrying about death. And pastors say, I know pastor, and I understand. I don't think we need to be foolish. We, do, we, don't, we need to take care of ourselves. But the reality is, Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me will never die. Will never die. He's not talking about a physical death. Because as we already said, you're not going to get out of here alive. One of these days, every one of us is going to wake up dead. <laughs> True. But if we're in Christ, that's nothing to be frightened of. That's nothing to be sweating. Because we're going to have a new body. We'll have new knees. I've told somebody, prayed with a while ago about somebody with knee trouble. I, don't, I know all about it. And mine's doing a lot better for those of you that have been praying. Thank God my knees are doing better. Somebody said, well, what, what's wrong with them? Is it old age? I said, no, because both my knees are the same, same age, and one of them don't hurt. <laughs> so it can't be old age. 
I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes will never die. And if you're here today, whether you're here in person or watching online, the greatest decision that you'll ever make is to choose whether to believe in the resurrection or not. You don't have to. There's an old song that says, God said it and I believe it. That's not true. If God said it, you don't have to believe it. It's still true. But it gives us an option of believing. Believing that he is the resurrection and the life. And if we believe that, we shall never die. Never die. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity of sharing the greatest news that the world has ever known. That Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. It answers that question. If a man dies, will he live again? And we know that the answer is yes. Yes, yes, because Jesus Christ came to seek and save that was lost. He ransomed us. He paid the price for our death so that we would not have to die eternally. We would have everlasting life. So, Father, as we bring this service to a close today, I ask you to minister to people's hearts and lives today. And if there's anyone in this building that has never received the forgiveness of sin, I pray that they would believe today that Jesus is a resurrection in the life. If people are online, I pray that they would pray the prayer today that said, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That they would pray that prayer. If you're online, let us know and we'll pray with you. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I can't think of a better day, a better time than right now. Say, yes, Lord, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that He is the Savior of the world. And He paid the ransom so that I wouldn't have to. I want to receive that today. If that's you, just slip out from where you are and come to the front. Well, someone will pray with you and pray for you. We just do that and we want to pray with you. We don't want anybody to leave here without having the opportunity to know that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And if you're here today with other needs, other situations, circumstances, I want you to know that the Savior of the world, He not only saves us, but He's able to heal us. He's able to restore families. He's able to do the miraculous. And He's desiring to do it today. We want to pray with you. Thank you for listening to the OAG podcast. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God Church, be sure to subscribe to our podcast or visit our website at www.oxfordag.org. That's O-X-F-O-R-D-A-G.org.